You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. So, I read a scripture to you. It is not going to be up on the screen. You're going to have to just open your ears and your heart and listen, okay? Uh, you ready? All right, two people in the room are ready to go. Uh, Luke 11, okay? Verse 1 all the way to verse 13. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God's word, right from the mouth of Jesus. So, let's go here. Here's 2005. I'm 10 years into my roofing career, okay? I started roofing when I was 13 with my dad. And uh, don't get stuck doing math too much right now, that's okay, it's fine. 2005, 10 years since I started roofing. And I'm roofing in California alongside this guy, Trent, who's just like so fast at getting these shingles laid on the roof. I've been doing it for 10 years, and I'm like, how does he, how do you do that, right? And I had been taught things, and anyways, I I just say to Trent, I'm like, hey, Trent, like, how do you do that so fast? And he slowed down for a second, and he shows me what he's doing with his roofing gun, and there's this little square piece on the front of the roofing gun that you push up against the bottom of the shingle, and it makes the shingle sit exactly where it needs to sit without you have, because you set it at the exposure for the shingle. And it makes that shingle sit exactly where it's supposed to sit so that you don't have to take a lot of time to set it where it's supposed to be. You just keep your gun in your hand the whole time. You set that thing. You use your left hand to line up the corner to the last shingle, and bang, 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 you put it on, right? And, uh, and I remember, like, I had always wondered, what's that little square thing on the gun for? 
for 10 years of, of, of being in this industry. Nobody had ever, I had seen these guys like hold their gun and, and I kind of like, oh, it was always sloppy when I did it that way. And uh, anyway, so it was just like 10 years and this guy goes, you see this little thing right here? I'm like, yeah, I've always seen that thing and had no clue what it was for. Uh, and, and it was like just this moment of seeing somebody who's really good at something and asking and saying, how do you do that, right? Do you realize there's only one place in the Gospels that Jesus' disciples specifically say to him, would you teach us how to? We just read it. Would you teach us how to? And I want to note what they didn't ask him for a second, okay? Jesus was a great preacher. He'd be way better than I am, 100%. He was a miracle worker. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He multiplied food. He walked on water. He would go pray and he would start to glow like a light bulb. Like there was like, there's all these stories of stuff about Jesus. And note that they never said, Jesus, would you teach us how to preach? They don't say, Jesus, would you teach us how to heal the sick and cast out demons? Now, we know that he released them to do that and all that sort of stuff, okay? There's actually only one other place that I can think of that there's a similar request made, and that's where Jesus has been praying on the mountain, glowing like a light bulb, that whole thing, and he comes down, and, uh, and, and they're the disciples who weren't with him are trying to cast a demon out of this boy who's afflicted by this demon, and they can't do it, and the father brings the boy to Jesus, and Jesus whoop, kicks the demon out, job done. And the disciples say, why couldn't we do that? He tells them, well, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, the point I want us to catch is that the only other place where there's something maybe similar, it's not a direct Jesus teach us how to, okay, But it is like, you could do that. Why couldn't we do that? And his response, again, comes back to prayer. So what we know, guys, for sure, Jesus was a person of prayer. And his disciples could see when they watched his life and everything happening around him that there was some connection between this guy's prayer life and all these other amazing things that we see happening around him. Can we agree that that's a likely reason they were asking him the question they asked, right? And so what I want you to realize this morning is that to be and do everything that God has called you to be and do will require being a person of prayer. It's not for the few elderly ladies in the back room who are really passionate about praying. Okay? We love the elderly ladies in the back room passionate about praying. Okay? I mean, we are going to get to heaven, and we are going to be, thank you, elderly ladies in the back room, passionate about praying, okay? But who wants to join them? Okay? And here's the thing. We all know this. If you, like, we all know we need to be people of prayer. And we probably walk around with our heads hung in shame and our, if we had them, tails between our legs and, you know, like, my prayer life kind of sucks and, or whatever, right? Like, we've all had those moments. 
But I can tell you this, you probably, if you're a follower of Jesus or you, maybe you don't consider yourself one, but you're feeling like maybe I am supposed to follow this guy and I'm feeling drawn, um, you're going to find somewhere with inside you a desire to pray. <clears throat> I've never known or met a follower of Jesus who says, I think I should pray less. <laughs> My prayer life's just way too strong. Right? You tone it down. And so, yet, we know this, and yet a lot of us, our prayer life is awkward, and it's clunky, and it's whatever, maybe, right? We're trying to figure it out. The guys who hung out with Jesus on a daily basis and saw what he did said, teach us how to pray. They knew they needed to learn. It's okay, you guys, for us to spend our entire lives saying, Lord, King of the universe, teach me how to pray. And go on a journey. How many of you have unfinished renos at your house? Amen. <laughs> My wife would not say amen in that part of the sermon. I can tell you that much. Uh, you know, what happens, right, is you, you have this moment. I had a moment recently, okay, where... where we had a project going on in the backyard, and I'm waiting for this guy, and he's taking ages to get there. So I just decide, I'm feeling inspired, and I'm going to start the siding replacement on the front of our house. And I start smacking stucco off the walls, and it's Saturday, and I'm like, let's go. And, uh, and, and I don't get nearly as far as I would expect in one day. And, um, and if anybody's been to my house for the last few months, you know that my house is half stucco, half building paper on the front right now. And I drive up to it. Think and shame almost every day. But, uh, you know, there's just this thing that happens where you set out and you're inspired and you're like, we're going to do this, right? And maybe you don't realize the cost or maybe you run into something that you're like, shoot, I don't know how to do that part. And, uh, and, and you just then, it sits, right? And it sits for months and you walk by it every day and you're like, I should probably do something about that. And then you, you know, and, and mine's hard to avoid. It's on the front of my house right now. And... Um, I think our prayer life can be like that, where we're inspired and we're like, let's go. We dive in, and then it's like, huh, I don't know what to do about that. Or this is taking way more time than I, than I expected to. I'm a busy person, you know, or whatever, whatever it might be. But Jesus, when the disciples say, teach us how to pray, he doesn't just go, oh, you'll figure it out, don't worry teaches them. How many know that when you're going to build something like a house, you start, there's one first thing that you build. Who can tell me it's the first thing you build? Hey, come on. You guys will all be builders. Uh, the first thing you do is you build the foundation. And what we're going to see today is we're going to look at the foundation that Jesus lays for how to pray, okay? And as we go into that, I'm going to ask my Faithful volunteers to come up here. Okay, we're going to do a little exercise in a second. Um, but what I want to point out to you as we get going here into this part is that the foundation, you guys can come up on the stage. I need my volunteers up on the stage. Uh, one of you can choose a red pen. One of you can choose a green. You guys can figure out which, whatever, right? Um, 
What is the first set of words that Jesus says? They say, teach us how to pray. And he says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Good job, guys. Go team. (laughs) Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Break it down like this. Father, heaven, hallowed. Okay? We'll get into that in a minute about what that is. But what I, what I really want us to just recognize is he says, when you pray, the first thing I want you to do is acknowledge who you're praying to. Where he is and what he's like. Okay? We'll talk about that in a second. But this is, this is going to be quick. We're going to do this quick, but I think it's worthwhile. I've done this lots of times, and I always really enjoy it. Uh, I need your help and these guys' help. And what we're going to do is I want you to tell me words that describe God and who he is and what he's like. And I would ask you to try to have them be biblical ideas. And, uh, but, but you can get creative. That's okay. okay? And, um, and as people say them, you guys are just going to take turns writing them down. So this way we can say them faster and one person can be writing the last one and the other person can write the next one and so on and so forth. Okay? So who is God? What is he like? Faithful. Good. Holy. Oh, look, man, you guys are fast. This two-people thing works well. Uh, what? Creator. Merciful. Loving. Just. Beautiful. Refuge omniscient for anyone if you need in the room that means all knowing uh, sorry I, sorry I, I was giving a definition of omniscient and I missed uh, righteous is that what I heard righteous what's the next one alpha and omega forgiving you guys are doing a great job um, long suffering smart true Powerful, healer, ever-present. Okay, two more, and then we're done. Whoa, whoa, they're like, hey, I get mine in here. Okay, what is it? Blessing. Friend, okay, and someone slipped gracious in there. We'll give it to you, okay. The, uh, the, the, thank you, guys. You guys can have a seat, and uh... guys, here's the thing. We could keep going, okay? Was that difficult? No. no. All right, so now here's what I want us to do. I'm just going to read it out, okay? Imagine it's 6 a.m., just got your coffee out, maybe your green tea, whatever your thing is, okay? <laughs> Lord. Father, you're faithful. You're ever-present, you're holy, you're merciful, you're just. You're my refuge, you're righteous, you're forgiving, you're smart, you're powerful, you're my friend. You're good, you're the creator, you're loving, you're beautiful, you are omniscient. You're the alpha and the omega, you're long-suffering, you're true, you're the healer. You are blessing, you are gracious. Father, that is who you are. Can I have some bread, please? It's the foundation. It's the foundation. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, heaven, hallowed, okay? So Jesus says that the the very anchor thing that you need to understand for the foundation of your prayer life is that God is your Father. You are his child. Children walk into the relationship with their parent with a certain level of expectation. The parents are like, yeah, sure do. You know, they they take, we, we, we as children take things for granted. We take for granted that our parents are going to have some food in the fridge or whatever. And I know we all have different backgrounds. Maybe you didn't have that, okay? But you know what I mean. That there is this, this, this expectation, this taken-for-granted relationship between a father and a child, between a parent and their child. And Jesus describes prayer in this type of a relationship. He's basically saying, guys, prayer is a child requesting and a father giving. That's it. That's your relationship. And you, church, friends of Jesus, you're a child of God. You are a child of God. And when you walk before the Father, you're that guy's child. You get to come in with a certain degree of confidence. Father, heaven. When you hear heaven, don't picture Philadelphia cream cheese commercial, okay? The biblical idea of heaven is the throne of the universe. The biblical idea of heaven is that is where the throne that rules and reigns and governs over the entire cosmos is. It says that Jesus, when he rose from the dead, ascended to heaven where he sat down at the right hand of the Father, far above all powers and principalities and might and dominion and authority and every name that could be invoked in heaven and on earth in this age and in the age to come. That's heaven. It's the throne. The throne over the universe. And what we need as his people to be the people of prayer that he invites us to be through these simple words we're looking at this morning is we need a vision of heaven imprinted on our minds and our hearts. We need a vision of the throne in our hearts and in our minds when we come to the Father. And there are some visions of the throne that you can find in Scripture that are pretty amazing. If you... Look at them later, okay, I'll just tell you them now. But Isaiah 6, it says that that Isaiah saw him seated on the throne. And it says the train of his robe, the robe of the one seated on the throne, filled the whole temple. And there were these creatures singing and praising God. And when they shouted their praises, the place shook and was filled with smoke. And there was this this scene where these angels are worshiping every day, all day long, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. All day, every day. And another man had a vision about 700 years after that was written, named John. 
who had walked and talked with Jesus in his earthly life. And after Jesus has ascended to heaven, he describes a similar picture. It's in Revelations 4 and 5. And it says that he saw a door open to heaven, and he heard this voice say, come up here. And he's having this vision, this, this really wild, weird experience. Some of you maybe can relate to them, and maybe you're like, no, that's just weird. Never had anything like that before in my life. But when he sees the throne, it says, the one who was seated on the throne that I saw, he looked like uh, uh, a sapphire and a jasper, I think. It's like he looks like these precious stones. And there's a rainbow, like an emerald around him. And the sea of glass, like crystal, before his throne. And there are lightnings coming from his throne. And rumblings and peals of thunder from his throne. And there are these creatures who are singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord day and night. And there's 24 thrones around his throne with these elders who every time they look at him, they fall to their knees and they take off their crowns and they lay them down and they begin to sing worship to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. And it happens around the clock from generation to generation to generation. And they never get bored of singing his praises because there's none like him. Father, heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen, I don't know if you've ever been to church before, okay? It might be weird. I start crying up here talking about the king. My prayer is that our eyes are open to see him, to see him, who he is, and what he's like. Because when we do, this thing happens, right? Where, 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 you know, we don't use that word often. We don't say, hallowed be thy name to anybody these days unless we know that prayer. And if somebody came up to you and said, hallowed be your name, you'd be like, <laughs> you know, just no clue. It essentially just means may your name, may who you are and what you're like be cherished, be revered, be held in high regard and high honor. And that's what we see happening in these pictures around the throne we just talked about, they just, they sing, holy, 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 which essentially means there's none like you. There's none like you. You're in a category of your own. There's nobody like you. You're far above everything else. What I say to you is when you see him, you will be in awe. When you encounter him, you will be hungry for more. You see, Jesus, he didn't just pray for breakthroughs. We're going to look at that in a minute. He did tell you to expect things to happen when you pray. But in, there's this interesting thing. It appears to me that Jesus, more than praying for breakthrough, he prayed for the sake of relationship, adoration, affection for his Father. And why do I say that? I say that because there's stories that you can read in the life of Jesus where he's just done some amazing miracle like multiplied a bunch of food to feed 5,000 people. Or there's another one where he's at someone's house and, and he heals Peter's mother-in-law and then people start to crowd around the house because they hear that there's this healing happening and it describes this crowd pressing around the house and everybody who he touched was healed or unclean spirits left them and there is this, this 
revival, if you will, that breaks out. There's this powerful breakthrough that happens of miracles, signs, wonders, deliverance. And whether it's the multiplying food or that story around the house, the very next verse says that Jesus went alone and he prayed. He wasn't like, oh, Father, we need all these miracles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, great, thanks, see you later. When they would happen, we see this picture that it actually caused him to go deeper into the place of prayer with the Father. He had this, it's like the, the place where the real action happened the sweet spot, the thing that he was really hungry for was to get back to being alone with the Father. All that stuff out there was just the result of being alone with the Father. I'm going to tell you guys a story in 2007, okay? I'm in Uganda, East Africa for the first time in my life, and I've been invited with a team of people to go into this small town, Mitiana, Uganda. Some of you have maybe heard of it. And, and there's a few thousand people coming out each night to just hear us preach about Jesus. And we're praying daily, God, show up. Like the prayer we prayed a couple weeks ago from Acts 4, we were praying prayers like that, which is like stretch out your hand and heal the sick. Give us boldness to preach the word, that kind of stuff. And, um, and I had been on a journey at this point in my life. It's about four years of a journey where I've just been like leaning in going, God, I see in the Bible that you heal the sick and I see that you command your disciples to do the same. And it seems to me like that sort of stuff should still be happening through your followers. And so would you please, you know, teach me how to do this. And at that point in my journey in my life, I had seen some pretty amazing things. Some of you have heard me tell stories before about stuff We've seen, and, and I, some of those stories happened before this time in 2007. But June 2007, we're there, Mitiana, Uganda. Our friend Jonathan Conrath is up preaching from the stage. And guess what happens? A nine-year-old girl who's never walked in her life just stands up and starts to walk. And I have it on DVD. I have a, I have a someone had the camera out. And you can actually watch this, where this girl, she's got her stick, she's hunched, she's not walking very, like, you know, perfectly. But nevertheless, she gets up and walks, and the whole place oh, erupts in, like, celebration and shouting. I mean, there was, like, a rope that was kind of keeping some space between the crowd and the stage just to, like, make some, you know, practical things possible at this event. They break through the rope, and there's just this rushing to the stage, and the place goes electric, and there is just this, this faith and this celebration that enters that place, and what happened that night in that moment was then every single person we prayed for was getting healed. There was a guy I prayed with that night who had deaf ears and never spoken a word in his life, and he's 33 years old, and we pray for him, and he starts to hear, and he starts to speak, and the best way I know how to describe it to you is like what it says in the book of Acts. There's a couple places where it says the power of God was present to heal. It was like you could feel, the best way I can describe it to you, was like electric power in the atmosphere. And it was just like, this is going down. And, 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 people, and people started getting healed. And, and I, like I tell you, I can tell you stories from before that in my journey, but this night it felt like this is what I've been praying for. 
This is the thing that I've been believing for and believing you could do and wanted to see for years. It was powerful. You get the picture. And I remember we're driving home from the meeting finally that night. And everybody, the van's abuzz with people telling stories of, I saw this and I saw that. And it was like, Whoa. And typically we would go after that to a like, coffee kitchen room. And we would just share stories and hang out. I'll tell you what happened that night. I didn't want to be with anybody. I went to my hotel room and I laid on my bed and I began to cry. And I began to say, Jesus, this is what I wanted to see. And what I found was like happening in my heart was like, there's nothing better than you, the miracle worker. And what I want more than that, that I've been aiming my energy and my prayers and my life at for all this time, is to know you, the one who does it. And I could tell you that story and you can be like, wow, he's so holy and he's got such his priorities straight and all this sort of stuff. But... But I can tell you, that's 2007, 16 years ago, and that was a marking moment in my life. And I have had plenty of distraction and weak prayer life since then and all sorts of stuff, okay? But what I, but I want to get across is that there's something that happens when you see God move in power and you see him show up and you encounter his presence and you get a glimpse of who he is and what he's like, that what's going to happen is your heart is you're going to go, I want more of you. And here's the thing. I, I, I heard a preacher recently say this. is so good. And he says, you know, a lot of us in our prayer lives, we're like two-year-olds. Does he ever try to get a two-year-old to make eye contact with you? It's like. <laughs> and you get this moment, and it's like, here it is. You know, and, and, and you just get this eye contact just for maybe it's like five seconds that you get the eye contact. He loves it. If he gets five seconds of eye contact from you, he's not like, you know, he's like, yes. So whatever he gets of your attention. And all of us, you know, we are distracted people. And this journey of learning to pray, a big part of the journey is learning to put away distraction. Learning to make priorities, okay? I'm going to keep going here. best part, one of the best parts about the story we read this morning is that when Jesus' disciples came to him and said, teach us how to pray, he said, okay. He didn't give one of those like weird cryptic responses like he gives in other places in the Gospels where, you know, they ask a question or something and it's kind of like, what did your response have anything to do with what we just asked, right? Or sometimes they would ask questions and he would just ask them a question back, right? And this wasn't one of those moments. Would you teach us how to pray? Yeah, I could do that for you. Come here. When you pray, pray like this, right? And the thing I want you to catch is that if you will say to Jesus, teach me how to pray, I feel confident to promise you he'll say yes. You actually turn your heart towards him and say, would you teach me how to pray? Teach me how to connect with you. Teach me how to talk. I, I, I can't promise you that, you know, the heavens will open and you'll be invited up like the story from, you know, Revelation like we talked about and have this 
that sort of thing. But what I can tell you is that if you will stick with it, keep learning and keep growing, he will teach you. He will teach you. Because Jesus promises us that if we ask anything according to his will, he's going to do it. A lot of us take that at times and we, we go, well, I asked this and I asked that and, I, you know, like, are you sure about that? And, and, and the key is about actually getting into this place where we're really connected to his will, to his heart, right? And there's this promise at the very end of what we read this morning that he's like this father who will give what they ask for. He says, your father, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, will give you the Holy Spirit. And more than anything, that is what we need. Okay, you might be like, well, I've been asking for that Tesla, God, you know, and he's like, he's like, no, it's this, the thing I really want you to have is the Holy Spirit. And the thing that happens, this is where this practice or where I will say to you, read your Bible, is that if you will spend time in the Bible, you will be filled with an awareness of what his will is. You will come into that place of prayer with a degree of confidence that you don't otherwise have because you have spent time in the word, which is essentially the expression of what his will and his desire and his intention and his purpose in this world really is. And then you come before him and you just go, hey, can I have some of that? Let's go to the story that Jesus told us, okay? This is where we're going to close tonight. Today, it's not tonight. I won't keep you till tonight, I promise. The story where he says, prayer's kind of like this. A guy who goes to his friend's house at midnight, knocking on the door, asking for bread, right? And I found myself thinking about Jesus right before that telling us, ask, seek, Knock, right? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. He says that the guy might not get up for the sake of your friendship, but because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get out of bed and give you bread. The other, other translations, that word that in NIV says shameless audacity, they say persistence. Because of your shameless audacity or your persistence. I get this picture of the guy knocking at the door, being like, I know there's bread in there. I've been in your house before, and I know you have bread. I was there this afternoon, and I saw it in the cupboard. I know there's bread in your house. Knock, knock, knock. I need some of that bread that's in the house. And when we spend time in the house of God's word, you get to know where the bread is. You get to believe there's bread in the house. And you will come, knock, knock, knock at midnight in crisis. When you get up in the morning, whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is you need, whatever you're longing for, and you'll go, I know there's bread in that house. And you come before the Father with a confidence that he has what's needed for the hour. How do you know? Father, heaven, holy. You've seen. 
This is where I'm going to continue to, to, to push us as a church. We're going to be people who pray from the word. We're going to go to the scriptures. We're going to see what it says, and we're going to pray that. And guys, here's the thing, okay? When we begin to lift our eyes up, it's a game changer. Hey, you guys, you guys, musicians chatting over there, you guys can come up. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. And we begin to see who our Father is and what He's like. There's this sense in which when we practice this and we get in the Word, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say to you, it's, it is as though, like John described, in a sense, your heart and your mind does ascend into heaven. And you begin to pray from heaven's perspective. And you begin to see things from heaven's perspective. And, and the deal is, guys, is that he promises that from that place of prayer, he wants to answer. And the thing he ultimately wants to answer is our request for the Holy Spirit. And we are praying that at the end of our time singing today. And there's this thing where it's not just a one-off. It's not just like, oh, I've been there, done that. It's this, it's this continual fill me. Holy Spirit, I want more of you. Holy Spirit, I need more of you. Holy Spirit, come and pour out upon me and into me and through me. He wants to answer that prayer. And the thing is, is that when you get filled with the Spirit, you begin to look and act more like Jesus. And I told you at the beginning of this year, that's our ultimate goal, and that goal is never going to change. Become more like Jesus. And here's the thing, guys, is the city of Victoria needs an encounter with Jesus. There's 398,000 people who live in this city who need an encounter with Jesus through his church. And the, and the people who are going to be a part of them having that encounter, guys, go for it, uh, whatever you're feeling. And the people who are going to have that encounter, and sort I say, be a part of bringing that encounter, are people filled with the Spirit. Might I say to you, people of prayer, You will not look and act like Jesus apart from doing what Jesus did. And Jesus, we're good. We're family here. We, we, we follow Jesus. Jesus was a person of prayer. And what I want to tell you as we're, we are actually closing. There's a move of God happening in the world today. His spirit is moving throughout the world. My social media feed was flooded yesterday with stories of this thing happening in Kentucky right now on a college campus in their chapel where, where for days on end, young adults don't want to leave the chapel and they're just singing and praying and they're experiencing this encounter with the spirit of God and saying, I don't want to leave this place. There's been stories like this throughout the history of the church, moments when God does things like that. And what I will tell you as well is that I am seeing evidence of a swell of God's spirit here in our city. I was with a group of guys yesterday just for a birthday celebration, and we were trading stories from our various churches of things we've seen happen and seeing happen. And we were almost in tears on the ferry going to Pender Island yesterday, just like stirred by seeing and hearing about what God's doing in the city of Victoria right now. And what I say to you is there is a swell. 
a small swell or a big swell, there's a swell. An apple this big and an apple that big are both apples. And there is something that God is doing right now where he is moving in our city. But what you will know if you've caught anything about God moving throughout history is that when he's moving, people pray. Sometimes we get the idea that like, well, we're going to make this thing happen if we just pray harder and pray enough. But I will say to you actually that when we find ourselves wanting to pray and starting to pray, that's because God's Spirit's moving. He's the initiator. But, but, but the move of God, it produces prayer and is sustained in prayer. So there is a partnership. And, and my hope is that today you're like, yeah, maybe I want to finish putting the stucco on the front of the house or whatever, you know, the thing is I want to, I want, or, no, I'm not putting stucco back on, but anyways. Your heart is saying, yeah, I want to pray. I'm going to pray. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I, I don't know if I've really met Jesus before in the way you're talking about. And I would invite you to just make your way up to the front now or when we're closed, and I will connect you with someone who wants to tell you about Jesus, okay? And church, Life Tree Church family, we're not getting off this topic for a while, just so you know. Um, we're going to be a people of prayer. We're going to be people who eat together and pray together and look like Jesus because of it. And with that, I want to be extending invitations to you to pray together. And I have one for you right now. Are you ready? 6 a.m., tomorrow morning in the hospitality room till 7 a.m., okay? And, uh, and I realized for some of you, that's like, that's perfect. That works great for my schedule. And others are like, yeah, I don't know. And, and my invitation to you is that we'd say yes to coming into that place of prayer. And I hope to be able to extend more invitations to you for other times and, and, and do stuff on Zoom and learn ways that we do it when we're eating together in our various groups and in all of our different contexts where we're people who pray together. A simple invitation would be, even right now, here today, if you're feeling in your heart a yes to just, I want to grow in learning how to pray, I'm just going to ask you to stand up, okay? I'm going to ask you to stand up. This is not to make me feel like I preached well or anything like that. This is just to, just to, 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 to do something bodily that says yes. And I'm going to invite you right now that as these guys are just here this moment with us, I'm going to invite you to, it can be quiet, it can be loud, but I'm going to ask for it to be verbal. God didn't think the universe into being. He spoke it into being. And I want you to just begin, whether you want to read this list off the whiteboard or you've got a list that creates in your own heart, 
And I want you to just take a minute and begin to describe God back to himself. Maybe you'll begin to thank him or maybe you need him to heal something in your body or maybe you need him to break through in a relationship or maybe you need his Holy Spirit to pour out on your life and maybe you're going to say yes and amen. I want to see a move of God in Victoria and I will agree in praying for the Holy Spirit to be poured out through his people upon more people in this city. So I just want to encourage you right now, just start to, whether it's you're faithful, you're good, you're gracious, you're kind, you're just, you're true, you're powerful, whatever is your lips, your words. Shameless audacity. You can come to the front, you can kneel, You do whatever you need to do. The invitation is just pray. Maybe all you can come up with is thank you. That's okay. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to be a people of your presence, a people of prayer people saturated in your spirit that this city might be saturated with encounters with Jesus through his church teach us to pray we're babies Jesus we're like little children and we say father father in heaven you are holy Father in heaven, there's none like you. Father in heaven, seated far above every power and principality and power and authority and name that is named in heaven and on earth and in this age and the age to come. We say we love you. We say we want to know you more. We ask that you would open the eyes of our heart to see you more, to know you more, to be aware of you, God. We ask for the eyes of hearts in the city of Victoria to be opened up to the good news of Jesus, to the light of the gospel. We pray, Holy Spirit, for you to have your way with us like we sang today. If it's an interruption, if it's a different plan, we don't really care, God, what it looks like. And when we do care and we're, we're bothered by it, I ask you, give us grace to follow you, to go with what you're doing and what you're up to. We ask you, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.